thought you were going to play the rest. No, just up until the guy starts singing. Oh, gosh. It's a great theme song, though, right? So we've moved from Sanford and Son to... Um, Three's Company. Three's Company with John Ritter, right? Yeah, Suzanne Summers. Yes. So we might be doing that in the future. We might find different uh, TV show theme songs to... That could be our shtick. To bring us in, yes. It's going to be hard to top Sanford and Son, though. It really is. It's a great one. It's a classic. Welcome back, Cotter. Oh, my gosh. That might do it, yeah. Um, I got a couple on mind. Cheers. Uh, It's definitely... Yeah, you can't... Well, if we do Cheers, we have to play the whole song. Yeah. But you know what's another really good one? I always get a little choked up. Night Court? You remember Night Court? Remember Night Back Court? Day? I don't. Uh, we're I don't, revealing just how old we are now. Yeah, yeah. We're we're children of the eighties. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember the theme song at all. Hill Street Blues. Hill Street Blues. We could even dip in the nineties and do a little Beverly Hills Nine Two One Zero. Since they just gosh. brought that back, yeah. we watched one episode. I never got into that show <laughs> though. Did you? I was in, into it for a couple couple years, and then like. It, it went nine seasons or something. It was crazy. Right. After season three, I think I moved on. But it has a it has a very classic. Yeah, I would recognize the theme song. Intro, you know the guitar. The guitar. Yeah. Yep, yep, the guitar. All right. Uh, so we are on chapter seven, and we make the road by walking. Uh, this chapter is called "It's Not Too Late," and I am um, I'm happy that Brian went there, and he went to this story. That, your reaction was good when you read Genesis 18? We're going to be doing... Uh... I was happy he didn't, he didn't push it aside and blow right past it. Yeah. Because it is one of the more challenging sections of Scripture easily. It's, in, it's definitely um, in the picture frame, and it could be front and center. I agree with you. He sh- it's good that he did, and I'm, in hindsight, I'm glad that he did. But mm-hmm. my first reaction... When I read that we are reading Genesis chapter 18 and then jumping to 22. Yeah. With 22 in there, I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> I just hate the story. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. I hate everything about it except the end. But w- And even then, I still don't like the end. I agree. I mean, Isaac doesn't die, but it's yep. still a violent, bloody end. Yeah. But... The way he describes the progression from the worldview mm-hmm. that surrounded Abram, yep, or Abraham at this point, um, it was really, really meaningful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, yep, I really appreciated the movement he 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 lifted up there. This this was one of those stories where, uh, as I got older, it. Um, kind of late teens, early 20s, and started uh, to read it. This is one of those stories that really started to push up against my understanding of God um, and reading scriptures in only a literal way because I mm-hmm. was trying very hard to make sense of this story and have it equate to what I believed about God. And no matter what I did, whether celebrating the faithfulness of Abraham, however you wanted to do it, it still left uh, a sour taste in my mouth. Um, uh, and really, I, I, this is a good chapter, and Brian has some great insights here, but this is one of those where you're not going to be able to wrap it up 
with a nice little bow at the end. We're going to keep kind of struggling with this one. Yeah. When we um, got to seminary and to intro to Hebrew Bible and talked about it, um, this uh, this was a story that um, that perplexed our entire class, and our professor was adamant to not tie it up with a bow, and actually just gave us more and more angles and perspectives to look at it, um, uh, but intentionally wanted us to just let it let us sit in the discomfort of this yeah. story. You need to be uncomfortable with this story because yep. if you're comfortable with it I think it challenges the notion of a God of grace and love mm-hmm. which is who we know God to be ultimately. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. And so I, I love that Brian continues to emphasize you know you can't I think it's in this chapter, right? You can't pin God down. You know, if we try to grasp God with a fist, all we come up with is air. The only thing we can begin to do is just kind of point to God. Yep. Yep. I love how he begins. He continues with that. Um, uh, So let's let's just quickly summarize this story. Okay. Um, uh, So Abraham um, gets, uh, is, does God tell him? To go up to the mountain, yeah, um, uh, with the with with the notion that he's going to sacrifice his son, or is that kind of in the back of Abraham's mind? Um, no, he's going to go sacrifice his son. Okay, so Abraham goes up, um, ties his only son. Well, it's but remember though, go back even farther, right? Uh, God has promised Abraham descendants more numerous yes. than the stars. Exactly. His, he and his wife hadn't had even one child, uh, let alone numerous, until yep. they were old in age. Yep. Uh, and now God says, go kill your only offspring. Yep. Uh, who you've waited just decades and decades and decades for, the mm-hmm. one you love so much. Yep. Go take him up to the mountain and sacrifice him. Mm-hmm. Yep. And by the way, uh, you know, the way the story goes, Isaac is the Isaac doesn't know that he's carrying the wood and the yep. materials for right. his own for yes. what his father believes is his own murder. Yep. Now, what we're not entirely sure of, like what you could theoretically read back in is, OK, is Abraham in the back of his mind thinking God will provide another way? Surely God's not going to have me eventually. Mm-hmm. But I think the way the text reads, uh, with Abraham going so far as to take out the knife and raise it, mm-hmm. I mean, I think the text pushes pushes the reader uh, to, to understand this is something Abraham was going to do. Yes. This is something Abraham was going to follow through on. He was going to sacrifice his son out of a belief that that's what God wanted him to do. Yes. And it doesn't really go into Abraham's perspective too it much. Doesn't. He, he's just following what he feels he's supposed this to do. This is obedient Abraham who yep. obediently left Ur yep. to uh, yep. go to Canaan and now um, is obediently following, the, the, you know, yep. yet a new piece of direction from God. So in the story, he's about to sacrifice his son. The knife's in the, the air. The knife is raised, and he sees a ram in the his, thicket. His, his, his son is bound down on the 
on, on the altar. The altar. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, it is so disturbing to me on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I never liked this story. I always hated this story. And as a father, now I I hate it more. Yeah. There's no other way to put it. There's no other way to put it. Yep. It's uh, it's one of those top stories in the Bible that is um, uh, is disturbing. And what I learned about it in my seminary class is every, every um, faith tradition, whether it's Christian, Jewish, um, Islam, all struggle with this story. There's no clear kind of understanding of how to make sense of it. It's it's just disturbing. Yeah. I, I, you know, people, people will argue, right, that it has a redemptive ending. And Brian does a good job of lifting up the, the progression of theology, right? Theolo- mm-hmm. The... The people we're not yet into the people of Israel. That's part of the struggle with this story, right? It's not mm-hmm. the people of Israel's theological progression. This Israel is still basically Abraham, Sarah, and now Isaac. I mean, it's a nation of three people. And They're not tr- a nation. And he's trying to track the development of human sacrifice right. to animal sacrifice, right. which becomes commonplace in right. yep, so, the nation of Israel. Right. Uh, so, so there is a theological progression there, um, yet I I can't get over a father raising. And, and well, there's another side to this too. There's other people who 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 read this, having been abused by a father or mm-hmm. a male figure in their yeah. life, um, and this resonates all too deeply. Yep. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum. Yep. So from not being able to picture oneself doing it to having ha- having the painful memories of it being done to you. Yep. Um, so what, what I like about um, McLaren in this book, which I've said before, is he's very willing to, to talk about the difficult mm-hmm. section of Scripture. But he's also tracking um, this kind of unfolding and... and progression of how we understand God, mm-hmm. right? And so he talks about that in the, in the flood story, mm-hmm. um, the different flood stories that were around at that time and how um, this one, though, has some hope and promise to it. And God does some actually saving in that story compared to other flood stories. There's and a rainbow in our flood story. Absolutely. And God promises to never, yeah. never do this again. Um, which at that time, he's saying, is a giant leap forward Huge. for understanding of who God is. Um, and so you're seeing that from the beginning of Genesis, even yep. as you get all the way to Jesus, you're seeing this slow yep. prog- progression of how do we understand God. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and we see it here. Um, and he kind of points to that as well. And in a way that is so Brian McLaren, <laughs> uh, he's able to do it in a in, in a way that's not overly complicated or verbose, you know, uh, we always ask each other our favorite, the, the paragraph that stood out to us. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's on page 30, uh, it is the, uh, last two paragraphs, you know, uh-huh. where he says it was commonplace in the ancient world for a man to lead his son up a mountain to be sacrificed to his deity. Well, 
that stood out to me because I don't think that's necessarily true. I mean, Brian's a much smarter guy than I. Human sacrifice was absolutely present back then. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't dispute that at all. Mm-hmm. And I don't dispute that human sacrifice was even common. I've never, though, heard of another story of a father taking a child up and, and to sacrifice them. That mm-hmm. that was commonplace, I think, is stretching it. Mm-hmm. Almost expected, he is. Yeah. You could say that. Like the, yep. the, 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 yep. I don't think you can normalize this. So I, if I was going to critique anything there on page 30, I, I, I would critique that. Like, the, the, this story should not get normalized. Mm-hmm. It wasn't normal. Even then, in my opinion, I shouldn't say opinion. Historians would know far better than I. But, but he he, that first sentence does still set up what he explains so beautifully. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what was extraordinary was for a man to come down from the altar with his son. What was extraordinary is the notion of a God who wouldn't require human sacrifice. Yeah. And then the next paragraph, how he talks about how, um, and yet people yep. who followed. Abraham, you know, as the nation of Israel continued to grow and their theology and their relationship with God continued to progress, prophets began to proclaim that, wait a second, your God doesn't require sacrifice, period. Your God's not an angry, vengeful God. You're an angry and vengeful people. Yeah. You're a bloody people. Yeah. And so you, you attribute those characteristics of yourself onto God. You project your own characteristics onto God. Mm-hmm. But just because yep. you're bloody and you're vengeful and you want sacrifice doesn't mean that that's true for God. Yep. Yep. And so in uh, the nation of Israel, it becomes commonplace for animal sacrifice. It's just mm-hmm. how they do things. Um, uh, but Up to mean, the time of Jesus. Absolutely. But even in other sections of the Old Testament Hebrew Bible with the prophets, they they will still offer those kind of hints mm-hmm. and little kind of um, was he little Brian points. invites us to read Micah right and, and those yes beautiful yes. lines from Micah yeah what does God actually want from you yep God doesn't want your burnt offerings well and is sacrifices. it is it in Amos where where God where the prophet says that God doesn't um, it's not interested in in your any of your offerings, um, uh, but is interested in uh, what is it? Um, sacrifice of the heart or something like that. But again, it's a lot of it. Amos, uh, Isaiah shouldn't mm-hmm. know what is true religion, but yep. that which cares for orphans and widows. Yep. And, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So the prophets definitely point beyond sacrifice. Yep. Yeah, that's been that's been one of the more helpful things for me is to see is to see this progression of the Bible and to see how people are slowly coming to understand mm-hmm. God. Um, and so when we read it, we can't just extract verses or a chapter. We can't even really extract just a single book, but we have to kind of read it in context and then also. Um, uh, see how it's telling this story of how we understand God and also yeah. how we understand ourselves, what Amen. it means to be human. Um, and this one with its violence, it tells us something about what it means to be human. Um, yeah, in the one, two, 
third paragraph on page 30, in the middle of it, we'll pick up, says, Through that ancient story, Abraham's descendants explained why they had changed their theory or model of God mm-hmm. and why they dared to be different from their neighbors who still practice human sacrifice. It wasn't too late to challenge widely held assumptions and change their theory or theology. Yep. Would be another word for it. Yeah. Of God. In in the in the margin I wrote, so so what what among our th- theologies and theories of God needs to change today or what is actively changing, right? I mean, this is a really good segue into things like the church, uh, our understanding of God's desire for human uh, sexuality mm-hmm. and homosexuals yep. and bisexuals, the LGBTQ plus community, mm-hmm. right? And we are an inclusive church. We're very uh, affirming of people of all orientations, mm-hmm. uh, believe them absolutely to be uh, beloved child of God. Yep. Uh, but 20 years ago, that was radical. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Our, uh, and it crosses over into so many other places like poverty. How, how should our understanding of the poor and God's relationship with the poor change? Uh, any of the hotbed topics, guns and the epidemic of gun violence. And I mean, there are, there are fundamental, fundamental worldviews, right. Mm -hmm. That are just assumed by us that 20 years from now, 40 years from now, 80 years from now, people will look back and say, Oh man, what were you guys thinking? Holy cow. (laughs) Did you see it wrong? (laughs) You know? Yep. And it's such an ingrained part of our worldview that we just can't see it now. Yeah. It's it's like the wallpaper. You don't notice its pattern anymore. It's just there. Yep. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of it. So let me read the last paragraph. Um, uh, and we'll finish up. I think it just it speaks well to what you just said. That's true for us today as we follow in the footsteps of Abraham and Sarah walking this road together. We're still learning, rethinking, growing, discovering. In spite of long delays and many disappointments, we will dare to keep dreaming impossible dreams. In spite of the assumptions that everyone around us holds to be true, we will dare to ask new questions and make new discoveries, including lessons about God and what God really desires. Mm. It may seem as if it's too late to keep hoping, to keep trying, to keep learning, to keep growing. But to be alive in the story of creation means daring to believe it's not too late. Well said. And hopeful. It's nice to leave a story like Abraham's potential sacrifice of Isaac Mm -hmm. with such hope. It's, it's, what'd you say, necessary? It's it's hard to do. I forget what I said. What we could rewind say? it. Yeah, I know, I know it's nice. It's it's relieving. It's oh uh, yeah, yeah it's, gotcha. it's a gift. Yes. to be able to leave that story with hope. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's actually most likely its real intent. Yeah, it's such a disturbing story. It's really hard to get to the hope. Yeah, because we're so aghast at its at its plot, but but the end is one of life you know it, at the end of all things god's will is love and life yeah. life in all its fullness and if you start there 
when you read the scriptures. If you start and try and interpret them in light of God's unconditional love for humanity and the world, Mm -hmm. then you can start to see these stories in a little different way. Mm -hmm. You can Mm -hmm. see people slowly trying to make sense of who God is Mm -hmm. and writing them in specific times and places Mm -hmm. where those assumptions might not have been there of who God is, you know? And so um, that continues to be freeing for me to read these stories that have really perplexed me over the years, that I've really struggled with it. Mm. Um, Yeah, it's a good point that we can leave this story, this very troubling story, with a sense of hope and optimism. I still hate it, though. (laughs) Thanks, Pastor Rob. Thanks, Pastor Joel.